Rob, Tour de France, a few days, uh, less than uh, less than 24 hours, in fact. Yeah, it's all kicking off soon in Copenhagen. Nice 13-kilometre TT around the city centre to get the riders going. And after that, a flat but very hectic first week before quite a densely packed um, mountainous tour, to be honest. You're on the ground there, Rob, out in Copenhagen. What's the, what's the, how do you say, what's the buzz around the city? Do you, would you know, if you weren't a cyclist, uh, would you know there's the Tour de France going on right now? Yeah, yeah, you can't, you can't really miss it. I was oh, okay, excellent. Yeah, yeah. I was at the team presentation last night and, um, yeah, it just takes over the city, really. Um, it's like, it's hard to even get a glimpse of the riders at the side of the road. We're having to climb up some stairs to kind of get a proper look at them as they rode by and there was like tickets into the main square where they're actually presenting the riders so I was only getting a glimpse at them riding towards <laughs> towards the presentation so yeah like there's even road closures happening now and stuff so so yeah it's big taking over obviously the big city of uh, Copenhagen and um, yeah Tour Buzz is really here the, the Danish really like their bikes so so yeah it'll be a, a good event to watch um, live I'm hoping and also on TV for sure yeah, it's interesting they we always talk about Holland being you know the how do you say the benchmark for cycling countries and cities and whatnot but I think I think Denmark is actually in front of them if I'm not mistaken oh, I'm not I don't know about the stats but there's just a crazy amount of bikes here like um yeah, way more than London. The one the one reason I think that is, I think obviously there's several reasons, but it's just like literally pan flat here. It's so nice to cycle around and commute. And I have to admit, I've been using the electric bikes you can hire. Um, but uh, even if there was a hill, it wouldn't be much issue on those. But yeah, really amazing to see how many people are cycling and commuting to work, like even a long, long way ahead of London, totally different to uh, any UK city I've seen. But yeah, really cool. But also very flat, so nice for the commuters. That's brilliant. Uh, I think for the first time in a very long time, uh, we, we obviously had COVID, but there's like five, six, seven, eight bikes being released and um, different different gadgets, whatnot, to go with them as well. Uh, Shimano's literally just dropped the 105 uh, Di2 today. Obviously, we won't see that at the tour, but... Uh, the bikes, definitely, you know, there have been hints of bikes at the Dauphiné, you know, uh, the Demane was raced. Uh, I think Tony Martin uh, tried to drop the new Propel. There's the new uh, Scott Foil release as well and a host of other bikes. Have you managed to catch anything, Rob? Uh, not seen anything um, here, but I think at the Tour of Swiss, the new, um, the new Ineos bike, and I think Filippo Garni used it at the Italian Champs as well. It's um, clearly very fast. We saw great performances at Tour de Suisse from Danny Martinez and uh, um, and Geraint Thomas. So I think their new TT setup is very quick. They um, put their two main GC riders who are at the Tour de Suisse on some very fast-looking uh, integrated handlebars as well. I'm presuming they're 3D printed. Um, but yeah, some really cool-looking tech. And I think we'll probably see some more unveiled tomorrow at the, um, at the time trial where... Yeah, every team will be looking to show off their best equipment and, um, like, say, some new equipment on show, and we'll see how much of a difference it makes against the clock then. Uh, I guess uh, Ghana is very well placed then in that case with his new bike to take yellow tomorrow, I imagine. Are you, are you putting anyone uh, favourite in front of him? or? I'd say there's um, the two riders that really stand out, Awout Van Aert and um, Filippo Ghana. I think Ghana slightly edges it. 
I think he beat uh, Wout van Aert just by two seconds at the, at the uh, longer time trial at Tour de Suisse. But, you know, like two seconds is really nothing and it can swing either way. But with this new bike, um, I'm leaning towards Ghana, but um, I wouldn't be surprised if Wout van Aert took it. And behind that is, um, I guess, the next most realistic challenger uh, for tomorrow is Stefan Bissiger, the Swiss rider from EF Education. Uh, he beat Ghana. Um, earlier in the year at the UAE Tour, but um, hasn't really shown anything since. I believe uh, currently recovering from COVID. But um, other than him, I don't see anyone challenging those two. It'd have to be a real special ride if anyone else could uh, trump those two. But, you know, I could be wrong and you never know what's coming out of the Tour, who's uh, really peaked for it well. It's an inner city, TT. Plenty of uh, sharp turns, um, as long as the GC riders stay upright. Um probably with with it only being what 13k uh not much time will be lost with the gc riders i imagine no only very minimal time differences um there's a 40 kilometer time trial um later on in the tour where much more gc change will happen um but yeah this kind of gives us an idea of what's going to happen in that time trial and maybe a bit of an idea about where people's form is heading into it as well um but yeah just for me, a great spectacle to get the tour underway and, uh, yeah, get uh, our first indication as to where everyone's form is and see if anyone's time trial really isn't isn't up to par. Going back to the tech very quickly, like, um, it's interesting, like, we've had uh, bikes being released very recently, you know, the new Tarmac uh, SL7 uh, prior to just now, um, and all the new claims of bikes have been, I think they've been a bit tight-lipped. You you didn't hear, actually, uh, the companies making claims, oh, this is X amount faster. They actually kept it very quiet because I imagine they weren't actually much faster. But UCI have dropped um, one of the, how do you say, the ruling. So it, you can have deeper profiles on the forks and whatnot. So the new foil, the new uh, Demane, they they are considerably faster than previous. They're, they're saying... Um, they're minutes faster than their previous model, which is unheard of for a very long time. So those who haven't released a new bike with the new UCI uh, regulations perhaps are at a disadvantage. Yeah, I'd imagine so. I've not really seen much of this data or know anything about it. But yeah, for sure, bikes are always evolving. And, you know, with a UCI weight limit of 6.8 kilos, um, aerodynamics is certainly the only place you're going to be looking for improvements however i'm certain some bikes and kit are a lot faster than others and you know i don't know surely i think generally if brands have made a bike faster and they can prove it with lab data they generally show it off i think cannondale shouted about their system six quite a lot although that's been out for a fair few years now so so yeah i don't know um but i wouldn't be surprised if the guys on the newer more up-to-date quit especially that's up to date, the latest UCI rules have a, a fair advantage. Yeah, it's interesting. I've literally just got another email shot from uh, Specialized saying they're releasing the new S-Works Evade. Again, it's uh, even, even faster than the previous. It, it seems like everyone's releasing something for 
uh, the tour uh, just with all the all attention being there it just makes sense to release all your goodies then and get more attention to your products as well yeah they will be praying their riders win <laughs> at the stage and they can they can claim it's because of their equipment i'm sure so. absolutely so we're when three days in copenhagen uh before we head over to the mainland what why do the tour de france uh and obviously the giro have done that previously why do they start in other countries i think yeah massive financial incentives to them i believe there's like um like these countries like all apply and then it's like massive massive for their tourism um sections like you know millions of people around the world will tune into the tour and they'll be looking at copenhagen and you know the tour tour de france is a massive advertising opportunity not only for france but for these um other countries that host stages also and you know um with like Personally, I'm not the biggest fan of Copenhagen. I wouldn't go here for a casual holiday, but you know there are beautiful parts of the city, and I'm sure the uh, Tour de France TV directors will be picking them up, and it will certainly inspire a lot of people to to be booking their holidays here. And um, yeah, that's kind of why it comes here. Like everything in sport, money drives it. Uh, oh well, quite often money drives it, especially at the elite level. And um, yeah. I think that's that's the reason, but um, I think it's a good idea as well. Gets more more um, countries involved in the tour. Let's a wider demographic of, well, obviously the non-French people get to watch Tour de France go past the roads, which is slightly weird to say, but uh, but yeah, I'm glad to be watching it in Copenhagen as well. Absolutely. Are you going over to France when it goes over? Or are you only there for the stages in Copenhagen? No, I'm only here for stage one in Copenhagen. And then, um, yeah, sadly, I think that'll be it for me. And I'll be sent back to a laboratory in Loughborough, which probably won't be as exciting, but I'll uh, probably have the tour on on my phone and uh, sneak a look at what's happening every so often instead of watch it live, I'm sure. But yeah. Uh, for the benefit of our listeners, it's probably worth mentioning, you know, pro teams are almost completely... Uh, funded by sponsors and uh, the Tour de without the Tour de France, uh, I imagine 60, 70, 80% of those sponsors wouldn't be interested in uh, supporting a cycling team, a professional cycling team. Um, you know, Tour de France is the major event by far in the cycling calendar for publicity, media, and all the rest of it. Um, you know, a, a passing passing non-cyclists would probably have heard of the Tour de France whereby they would have heard of the other races so the massive opportunity for teams uh, they send generally their best riders uh, and uh, this is their showpiece in many ways yeah for sure I think especially for the French teams a lot of them solely exist just so their um, sponsors can get sponsor, uh, get viewed get like seen as good advertising during the tour and yeah, just a massive event and teams and riders under massive pressure from the sponsors to perform here and, uh, yeah, get, get the sponsors some money, essentially. Yeah, and uh, that that kind of, um, I don't know if it, that passes on to the riders, but first week of the tour is always very jittery. There's always plenty of crashes in the first week. Uh, people are, are trying to impress, trying to be at the front at all times, and uh, it just makes for... Uh, exciting viewing from home but not necessarily exciting riding for the riders you know always worried about no. the crash and making making the break and whatnot no it must be absolutely that must be absolutely terrifying for the riders the last two 
two Tour de France's on stage one. We've just had a shocking amount of broken bones. It's crazy. And especially when um, there's the fight for the yellow jersey and basically whoever crosses the line gets to wear the yellow jersey, that really gets the riders going as an added incentive. This year, hopefully there'll be less crashes in the first couple of stages because the yellow jersey will uh, be decided on a time trial and hence um, most like the vast majority of riders will be out of contention to it'll be harder for them to get ever get the jersey now uh, because of the time trial time differences whereas previously whoever wins the first stage gets the jersey and hence it's racer aggressively and there's so many crashes so yeah hopefully less crashes uh, this year around in the early stages yeah it does look like whoever picks up that jersey on day one whether Ghana, Art or whoever, being uh, flat stages thereafter, sprint stages, they'll probably keep it for a few days. Uh, so they'll be vying for that for that uh, yellow jersey for stage one, I imagine. Uh, so on to stage two, it's, a, it's another flat one out in, Co- uh, not, not in Copenhagen, another city out in uh, Denmark. Um, perhaps uh, worth talking about Cavendish. Uh, he would have been a favourite for the stage, but he's not there. Yeah, um, so interesting. Uh, so to Koenig Quickstep, who would probably be considered the best sprint team in the world. They also have Babio Jakobsen on their team, who arguably could be called the best sprinter in the world. And I think many will have him as favourite to um, win win stage two. Uh, I think the Quickstep team decided at the start of the year it was Jakobsen who would likely go to the Tour as opposed to Cavendish. I personally think you can take two sprinters to the tour as it's quite likely one of them will crash out. Um, but yeah, they, um, they don't seem to agree with me, so they're only taking one. They kind of announced this in January. Um, and yeah, that meant Cavendish got sent to the Giro. He won one stage, which early on, and he looked good. And, you know, if you won a couple more stages there and took a win or two elsewhere later... Um, I think he could have got a start of the tour because Jakobsen, although he's been good, but he's not been unbelievable. There was reason to take Cav. However, they haven't. And uh, on his performances this year, I I think it's justified, to be fair. If you're only going to take one sprinter to the tour um, on performance alone, then Jakobsen, arguably you take Cav and Dish because it's just such good marketing if he does finally get his 35th stage and um, become the guy with the most ever Tour de France stages. Um, But yeah, I think it'll be a big story in the British media, especially if uh, his teammates and the chosen sprint of uh, quick step, Fabio Jakobsen doesn't win. So big pressure on Fabio, I think. So yeah. Absolutely. Um, There was some... uh chatter amongst my friends saying that being a Belgian team, uh, they don't actually want Eddie Merckx's record to be broken so <laughs> they left Cavendish at home. Not a bad child but I doubt it. <laughs> I doubt it but but maybe maybe Eddie Merckx is using some of his millions to pay off Patrick Lefebvre not to not to take Mark but but yeah, not a not a shocking play. There's crazier political things, I'm sure, which have happened in sports. So, so yeah. Cavendish, uh, he obviously won the uh, British Nationals just just the other day. It would have been absolutely epic for him to get a stage or two, or even win on the Champs Elysees. Uh, but 
in uh, national colours, but it won't be the yeah. case. But let's move on. Um, there's other sprinters out there. Um, Lotto heavily relying on Caleb uh, to get them some points, desperate needed points for the relegation battle that they find themselves in. Uh, there's also, um, of course, Van Aert, uh, which uh, Roglic said he's actually all in for the team, but uh, I won't be surprised if he's up there for a sprint or two. Um, who else is there? There's obviously Van der Poel, uh, and he comes with Tim Melia, I think he is. Uh, is Tim Melia? Uh, no, it's uh, Jasper Philipsen. That's it, sorry. Yes. He's likely to be their, their team sprinter, I think. Um, yeah. Tim Melia, I think, is likely Cavendish will leave um, his team at the end of this year. And I think Tim Malia is um, going to be his replacement, gotcha. I believe. So, which has probably meant Tim Malia doesn't get selected to the tour because his team are probably a bit upset. He um, didn't stay yeah. with them instead. Yeah. Any any so, yeah. other um, sprinters to watch out for? Uh, yeah. So Dylan Groenewegen has had a quiet year. Um, he was so struggling. He's definitely yeah, got the pace um, in it. Where was he struggling? Uh, Tour de Suisse, right? Uh, the Dauphiné. Oh, sorry, Dauphiné. At the, yeah. the Dauphiné, yeah, he's just struggling to get over the hills, but um, they shouldn't have taken him to that race. It was too hilly. He was never going to get to a sprint finish. Um, but this uh, stage two and stage three are pan flat. So unless the crosswinds kick off, he'll, he'll 90, 90% chance be there at the finish. And um, I think he's got a good chance of taking the win. Um, also, there's Mads Pedersen, the uh, Danish favourite to start with. Um, I know he's been targeting getting the yellow jersey early on in the tour. Um, he, he might, he's got an all right time trial, so he might be able to um, not lose too much time on the first stage. And then because of the time bonuses on stage two and three, it may be that he's then able to take the yellow jersey if he wins one of those sprint stages as well. Um, other than that, yeah, Wout Van Aert will be going for it as well. He's the green jersey favourite. Logan will be up Peter there Sagan. and around, yeah. Yeah, um, and then Peter Sagan is a long shot, a nostalgic shot as well, I feel. <laughs> um, but yeah, yeah, it's quite a good uh, strength and depth sprint field this year and it's going to be a crazy, crazy run-in with so many uh, teams committed to doing the lead-out and... I don't think there's a really strong favourite. I think Fabio Jakobsen is the favourite, but yeah, there's six or so riders who who have a very good shot of winning this stage, in my opinion. So, yeah, so yeah stage two should be a crazy one. Yeah, so uh, green jersey winner, 2020, Sam Bennett, left at home. Cavendish, 2021 winner, a green jersey winner, left at home. So <laughs> let's see what happens. Let's see what happens, you know. Uh, it might be Sagan and then he'll be left at home retired maybe next year <laughs> <laughs> let's see uh, so stage three could obviously be. another flat one out in Denmark Monday is you could say a travel day rest day um, before heading over to mainland France um, Dunkirk to Calais I imagine a few Brits will be out there watching that one uh, not difficult to get across Um yeah, it's fairly flat that one as well. There's a few climbs, tasty ones. Yeah, but I've probably come yeah, together or go a, away to a break. Some... Actually, could potentially be a very late breakaway made up of some high-level punchers. Um, Dylan Toons, if Alif, if Julian Alaphilippe is here, this would be a good stage for him. Um, but 
I guess it's also fairly likely that it comes back to reduce bunch sprint. I think this stage four that was like a good one for Wout Art. There's some hills before that might get rid of some of the sprinters, and in which case either him or Mads Pedersen uh, would clean this one up fairly easy. Oh, this could be a stage for Vanderpol as well, potentially. Absolutely. I wouldn't be surprised if he tries this luck here. Not sure what but, his yeah. form's like, though. Uh, obviously, Vanar absolutely annihilated uh, the Dauphiné. Um, but uh, Vanderpol has been a bit quiet, hasn't raced uh, very recently. So his form is is unknown at the moment. So time will tell. I think you could probably take that to be it'll be quite good for Vanderpol to not have raced for a certain amount of time generally means he's gone away to do some structured training, um, which is quite rare for Van der Poel. <laughs> but when he does it, generally leads to him being on quite good form as opposed to just over-racing. And, you know, I think sure, since the Giro, I can't recall a race that he's done. I'm not sure if he has raced. If he has, he's kept a low profile. And I think he'll be coming coming in hot to the Tour and looking for some big results. Um, so, yeah, as long as the back pain is gone, which I think it is. I think they'd be reporting it if it was prevalent, but I don't think it is. I think you can expect things from Van der Poel this tour. I'm not convinced he'll finish, or he is, yeah, is planning on finishing, but for him to have not raced in in a month, he must have gone away to do a, a decent training block and a nice rest after the Giro. Um he could also pull off a result in the time trial tomorrow. Um, I know he's 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 worked quite hard on that supposedly. Um, I don't. He's not a favourite, but he should be in the top ten, if not top five, in my opinion. Stage seven, first, perhaps potentially it, it may not be. It may be a breakaway day, but stage seven, the Planche de Belfi, uh, been used in the Tour de France several times in the last ten years or so. The first mountaintop finish, uh, the first one for a while actually, uh, could blow up or could be a damp squid and just one for the breakaway. Uh, what's your thoughts on stage seven? Um, yeah, potentially one for the breakaway. Maybe that the big teams decide to let it go early, uh, but maybe not. Um, poor, I don't know, it'll, it'll kick off. Um, we'll get an idea of who's in the mix for GC contention for sure and see who's, who's just not got the form really. Um, obviously, I think it'll be most likely a showdown between Roglic and Pogacar um, and also Vingegaard getting involved. And, you know, those three are likely the big favourites, um, the three strongest climbers, and we'll see who else is in the mix. And this will be the first stage where we get an idea to see who can win the tour. I don't expect big time gaps, but this will be our, um, our our chance to see who's in contention. So, yeah, definitely tune in for Stage 7 because um, there'll be fireworks for sure. Yeah, Dauphiné, absolutely uh, a dominant performance from, uh, sorry, um, uh, Jumbo Visma, uh, Roglic taking the win, Vingegaard taking second, Van Aert, bunch of stage wins uh very clear that they perhaps have the best team going into the tour de france uh then we have the tour de suisse won by Geraint thomas uh previous winner of the tour de france uh i wasn't sure he was going to be the pick for ineos but it looks like they have picked him and uh has him down as leader 
uh, Tour of Slovenia, smaller race won by Pogacar. So you've got these three champions coming into the race, haven't actually raced one another in a stage race. So we don't know. Uh, of course, form is good, great for all of them. They've won their uh, previous races, but in terms of where they're at compared to one another, it, it's, it's much of a blank. So uh, will be very interesting to see once they come together, who's actually on top. And uh, obviously the, the idea is Pogacar is far, far better than the rest of them, but uh, we just haven't seen them race together. So we can't say for sure, you know? No, you can't say for sure, but yeah, Pogacar is a firm favourite. I think I don't think there's anyone out there who can really say Pogacar doesn't deserve to be favourite. Um, yeah, although he didn't really have any trouble at the um, Tour of Slovenia, he looked good. Like the other guys, he was there. He was just so much above them, and you know they weren't they weren't bad riders, but he he was a long long way ahead. You um, could say that about Jumbo Visma, uh, Tour of Slovenia. I mean uh, Dauphiné as well. But uh, uh, they were good riders. They they were good riders, and you know they didn't they they weren't dominant like Pogacar was dominant. They were like. They were head and shoulders above everyone else, but they were at least trying. I don't think Pikachu was ever even really trying too hard. Um, but yeah, yeah, Roglic and um, his teammate Jonas Vingegaard, that team's going to be interesting to monitor um, because there's two of... I think you've probably got the second, third best rider in the race on that team going, in terms of GC. Um, so that might get political. I don't know. Um, but yeah, I think... Geraint Thomas is probably, from what the form he's shown so far this year, he's still a bit behind. Um, I think his win at Tour de Suisse was a lot easier than Jumbo Visma's at the Dauphiné. Um, a lot of GC contenders went out because of COVID at the Tour de Suisse. Um, so he only had to beat Jakob Fulsang and Sergio Higita. Higita actually outclimbing Thomas, and I don't think. Higita is seen as the world's best climber in the world currently, probably a long way off that. And it was only um, Geraint Thomas's strong time trial that won him the race. So I imagine Vingegaard, Roglic and Pogacar can put a lot of time into Thomas on the climbs. However, Thomas's form is on a very upward trend and um, has been all year. So if his upward trend in form keeps going as quickly as it currently has been, then he might be on their level. But so far this year, he's, in my opinion, not shown the same level that those three have. However, as a as a proud half Welshman, I am very much hoping he wins. And uh, another another Loughborough shout out, um, ex ex Loughborough student Connor Taylor is coaching Geraint Thomas now. So I'm very much uh, hoping on on two fronts that Garrett can pull it off. However, I, I'm I'm not expecting him to win the tour, if I'm totally honest. Yeah, he comes in with a point to prove, though. You know, he he, he was left out previously or, or didn't get the opportunity. He crashed out as well. And he he, he came out saying, you know, I, I should be there and, uh, you know, being a previous winner and whatnot. So perhaps uh, this is the opportunity he has uh, to show what you can do. Ben O'Connor is another one. Dark horse probably won't win, but I uh, I hope to see him up there. You know, he's an exciting rider. Um, yeah, dark horse. Um, he's apparently lacked a lot of confidence these last two years, but I think apparently they're saying a big reason for his he believes he can compete now. He believes he can be up there. 
Um, I don't see him on the podium. I think he's a long way behind the top three, Um, but definitely capable of a top five, should be aiming for the top five. And yeah, solid guy. But um, yeah, a long way off Pagaccia, in my opinion, Um, but a very solid rider for GC for sure. Vlasov is probably four favourite. Would you say the same? Yeah, I'd have put him as fourth favourite prior to Tour de Suisse. He was looking fantastic at Tour de Suisse, although he then withdrew uh, because he had COVID. COVID, we obviously know, has been having quite big detrimental effects on riders, some some for quite a prolonged period of time. And uh, I'd I'd have Vlasov as fourth favourite if he hadn't had COVID. However, I don't know how his recovery's gone and. I personally don't think people can come back from COVID as quickly as he is to be back in the top form. So I don't know. He might prove me wrong. I hope he proves me wrong. I want to see a competitive tour, but he's just had COVID too recently for me to really see him as a top favourite for now. But yeah, we'll see. Um, See how he goes. And uh, we've had um, the last race. I think it was three teams that were basically thrown off the race due to covid which is which is very interesting here in 2022 whereby we're not hearing so much about the deaths per se but obviously precautions need to be taken um but if that was to happen during the tour de france teams were thrown off saying week one and missing the rest of the tour that would be that would be uh not sure like how would it is yes it's likely to happen. I think we've heard Bob Jungles um, has um, potentially going to not start because of COVID. I heard that this morning. He might be getting replaced by Greg Van Avermaet to replace him in his uh, AG2R team. And I believe Tim de Klerk, um has also had COVID. So I'm not sure about his participation either. And then I say Tour de Suisse, we saw um, the peloton decimated by COVID there. So... It could happen. It could happen that a lot of these riders don't finish the tour because of COVID. And, you know, that's the times we're living in. We got through two two tours the last two years when COVID's been a much, arguably, a bigger problem worldwide at the time. And, yeah, it's looking possible this could be the year that COVID sort of ruins the tour, essentially. And, you know, it might be we're two, two weeks through and suddenly... Uh, Pogaccio and Roglic just get kicked out with COVID and, you know, Henrik Mass is leading the tour having three <laughs> 10 minutes down. You know, yeah. Everyone should stay up on GC because you don't know who's going home. So, yeah, but hopefully not. I think the UCI are getting quite strict on controls now and um, hopefully that will lead to less spread. Um, but we'll see. That, that could very well be the story of this tour. But, um, hopefully not. Yeah, reminds me a little bit of Nibbles when you know uh, when uh, Chris Room crashed <laughs> out, and uh, all respect to him, you know, winning Tour de France isn't isn't easy, you know, even if if the no one's uh, no one's racing for GC other than yourself, you know. But um, yeah, just reminds me of his win. Hopefully, it don't come to that, and we have a true champion in the sense that uh, you know beating the real competitors and may the best man win so um, yeah, first sure. week is all flat La Planche de Belfi potential uh, potential strikes for the GC but then uh, we go into the second week 
into the Alps, Pyrenees, uh, any other um, stages which catch your eye. We obviously have Alp d'Huez, stage 12, perhaps the most famous climb in the Tour de France with all the switchbacks. But anything else that catches your eye, Rob? Um, yeah, a lot of very, very tough mountains. Alp d'Huez, obviously the money shot of uh, the Tour for me. Um, one of, probably my favourite climb in the world. It's have you done it? Have you been out there? Yeah, I've, I've been out there. I've, I've been twice. I first went when I was um, eight, when I was eighteen, and then depressingly at twenty-one, I think I was about six minutes slower up it. And <laughs> now I think I'd probably be about half an hour off my best time, and uh, probably about an hour behind Marco Pantani's time. But but yeah, um, yeah. Probably worth mentioning, time. Rob. You you were like what top ten in uh, the British national hill climbing scene, right? Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, twelve. Not quite a top oh, ten. Okay, okay. Maybe, maybe if my back survived another year before it gave out, that top ten was on the cards. But <laughs> we'll never know, Janae. Well, hopefully <laughs> my back gets better and I'll give it a pop. But after lose a fair bit of timber for that to happen. But uh, but yeah, no. I think uh, outdoors is a bit too long for me. Maybe a, a two minute climb is more up my street. But but yeah, some absolute monsters in this second week and some real. Real brutal stages to look forward to in the second week. Um, it's not going to be like the Giro. It's going to be kicking off the whole of the last two weeks on these climbs. And, yeah, it's going to be mega for us fans to watch. And, yeah, you never know which stage it's coming on, which stage the race is going to blow up. So, yeah, my my advice is probably just keep watching. Um, I think there's massive altitude the day before, um, well, on stage 11, there's, there's going to be crazy altitudes um, on that stage. So expect the Colombians and the guys who lived at altitude their whole life to really perform on that day. Look out for Quintana and uh, Danny Martinez to um, do something there. And yeah, stage 11, Quintana potentially to win that stage is, is a good shout if he's on a decent form because he really, really likes the altitude. Um but yeah, that's that's the stage that I'm interested in. Another stage I don't think we mentioned uh, was the Arenberg stage in the first uh, week. Yes, yes. And yes, stage five, I believe, essentially a mini Paris-Roubaix. Um, and in the first week, this is the one that's likely to eliminate the most GC contenders. Um, that's worth tuning in for. I'd... Um, I may be disappearing for a very extended lunch that day uh, at work because I want to watch as much of that as I can live because that could be a major factor in the tour as well. For, for Pogaccia, as well as COVID, this is the stage that is likely to trip him up. This is the stage where Pogaccia is most likely to lose the tour, in my opinion. Um, so, yeah, tune in for stage five. That'll be a belter. Um, for sure that's, that's starts in nil about 150k or some or so and there's uh 15k of cobbles which which is quite a bit for a, a fairly small stage um but yeah, yeah absolutely it's going to be kind car- of potential for carnage uh, especially if it rains as well yeah i'm i've got my the riders don't have their fingers crossed for rain but if it rains that stage is going to be fantastic to watch um so yeah tune in for that would be our recommendation for sure Rob, Chris Froome is making the tour this year. Um, apparently, he's not far off previous tour winning form. Uh, what do you make of that? Yeah, we saw him. Um, well, I can't remember if it was the. He did a small race in France. 
well, a small race won by uh, his teammates. Jakob Fulsang won it and Mike Woods was second and he looked mightily strong, the best Chris Froome we've seen since he left Ineos. A long way off Tour de France level, um, but very good. He then, in his, uh, I think it was the Dauphiné, he used as his preparatory race, but it could be Tour de Suisse. He he was looking good there, um, but left the race. Um, I, can't, I, I can't remember the reason, but yeah, he was he started to look bad. Um, but yeah, I think Froome's definitely on a comeback. The claim he's now training pain-free, I'd expect to be true, given his increase in performance. And um, yeah, he's not going to win the Tour. I'll be quite clear about that. He's not going to win the Tour, but... He's looking in fantastic shape. Uh, I think several people have commented on it. And when I very briefly saw him ride past last night, he's looking very lean, like he was in the tour when at previous points this year, I think he's looked a bit overweight. But don't be surprised if we see a very good version of Chris Froome this tour. I, I don't expect a stage win, but I expect him to be competitive. Um if he's in a breakaway, he can be one of the stronger guys, potentially, I think. Um, but yeah, any any forward progress is always great to see for, from Froomey. And um, yeah, it's an inspirational guy, in my opinion. And uh, yeah, hopefully he has a good tour. But yeah, don't go and uh, bet on him to win because he won't. <laughs> yeah. Talking of stage wins then, uh, Pino... Uh, and Bardet, the best French hopes, probably won't make it for GC, I imagine, but uh, grab a stage or two, potentially. Yeah, I think Pino stated he'll be going for the King of the Mountains jersey, I believe. Uh, French also have David Gardou. Um, there's not much point in him going for GC. It's not realistic, um, but I imagine he might do. He's got potential for a top five, definitely a top ten although he was poor towards the back end of the Dauphiné. Um, and yeah, Bardet as well, I imagine, will be stage hunting and potentially looking at that KOM jersey. Um, but yeah, sadly, again, fairly slim pickings for the French in terms of a GC hope. Um, they'll have to wait probably a couple more decades, unfortunately, I imagine. But yeah. Yeah, so um, the tour sets up nicely for stage 20 uh, a 40k tt 25 miles 45 minutes some of the best times i imagine 50 uh, maybe the some of the slower gc riders um but yeah i think it'll force uh, having the stage 20 a time trial a fairly long one as i mentioned that probably forces the climbers to go for it uh, on the previous stages and then sets up a finale but with roglic and uh, especially pogacha being an awesome climber and an awesome TT. It, it won't work out as they imagine. I, uh, so what do you mean no. of putting stage 20 there, you know, as, as it is? Uh, perhaps a team time trial would have been a bit better, but... Um, I that would really throw the race on its uh, head, especially <laughs> especially if um, all but two of Pogaccia's team had gone home because Absolutely. of COVID. Absolutely. And he just had a team in Eos five minutes back with a full compliment chasing down the two uh, UAE riders. I think that would be a fantastic way to end the tour. Um, but yeah, sadly not. It's only going to be an individual time trial. And uh, yeah, I think it should make the racing more aggressive. We saw um, when Pogaccio won his first tour, the massive swing in the final TT then. Um, so I think whoever's leading will 
race aggressively and want as big a buffer as possible. Um, so yeah, I think this TT should lead to more aggressive racing and is quite possible there'll be a big swing in the GC because you know there'll be at least a minute between the what, the best GC riders and the weaker time trialing GC riders here. Um, but yeah, it'll be a stage to tune into for sure. Hopefully, Pagacha's not already got a five-minute lead, and I, I kind of hope it comes down to a final day TT. I'd love to see um, someone like Danny Martinez having to defend the minute thirty ahead of Pagacha, Roglic, and Geraint, and oh, it yeah. goes down to the wire. But yeah, we'll see. It'll it'll be a big one, and sadly, it does rule a lot of uh, people out of um gc like stronger climbers are going to lose time here like martinez will probably ship a lot of time um and it probably makes him quite an unrealistic well it makes him a slightly less realistic gc rider um i think he's already quite unrealistic to be honest but but yeah yeah, yeah is it, it it's a good addition it's going to be super fast though that one it actually uh trends downhill uh that one if, there, if there's a tailwind Ghana uh, will get, I imagine, like, I don't know, 55 or even 60k worth of pace in him uh, for that one. But yeah, Ghana will be going fast, but there's two big climbs at the end. There's a mile at 4.7% and then 1.8k at 6.2 um, right at the end. So, you know, it could could swing around um, there, I think. Um, so, yeah, I think this might. Yeah, I think it's too early for Garner, if I'm honest. I think this will be one of the GC riders to win, but we'll see. Maybe Garner will win it. Yeah, but if, sure. it, if they're still around, that is like you know, 20 days. It's going to take. It's going to take perhaps 50 plus riders out by the end. You know, uh, I think it was. What was it? The Giro d'Italia. I think. If I'm not mistaken, there was about seven. Oh, I don't think it was zero. I think it might have been Dauphiné or something. But there was only like seventy riders by the end. So, yeah, I think I, I presume that would be the Tour de Swift. That was the one that was really decimated by uh, COVID. So, yeah, who knows? Will be there. Maybe it'll, maybe Naira will win the stage twenty TT. Uh, maybe there'll be that few people left. But we wait to see. And yeah, it could be crazy. But hopefully, we'll have a full complement of their riders there to compete it. Robert, who's your who's your favourite then? I'm I'm guessing you're going for Pagacha, but yeah, it's a boring answer. But um... who do you want to do well? Uh, perhaps not even just GC, but just generally, who are you looking to? Who do you think will surprise us? Um, surprise, I think, or come um, out as uh, better off. You know what I mean? Better off, real shooting stars. I think. Um, poor. I don't know. I think it's just going to be quite predictable this year, to be honest. Yeah. I think it does look a pretty bog standard. You know what I mean? I think if you're looking for real shooting stars for my um, Velo, I've been uh, spending a lot of time on my uh, Velo fantasy Games team. fantasy Tour de France team. And uh, yeah, I think I've spotted some some gold nuggets in there. Louis Meinke's obviously this podcast, a big fan of the uh, Interlonti. Uh, Grobert team I think Louis Meinkies has shown some good signs and I think he could get up there potentially chase a stage win after a very uh, quiet couple of years uh, Alexander Kristoff I wouldn't be surprised if he pulls something out of the bag on that team as well uh, a lot of stages that could potentially suit him 
Uh, I think look out for Wout Van Aert. I think him for the green jersey. I think Wout Van Aert could pick even three stages or more. I think he's good for this tour. Um, and yeah, no, I've not really got too many dark horses. My one slight dark horse is Pogacar's time trial. Not many people are talking about Pogacar for this time trial uh, tomorrow, but his Tour de France time trials, it's like it's a different rider. Like throughout the season, he's maybe like a top 10 time trialist in the world. Mm-hmm. But his, like, oh, the time trial, the first time trial last year, he just... He just destroyed Van Aert, Stefan Kung. He was just on another level. And if he does that again, and we all know what happened when he, on the stage 20, when he first won the tour, taking about a minute and a half out of Roglic, winning the stage by over a minute. Um, yeah, they're probably two of the best time trials in the last three years, to be honest. So the um, I'd say not many people even expect him to top 10 tomorrow. I think that'll be wrong. I wouldn't be shocked if he top five or even podiums. That's that's my that's my long shot. That's my out there prediction. I think. Um, but yeah, uh, other than that, I've not really got one. Just expect a lot of good sprints. A lot of the the few sprint stages we have here. Um, keep your eye out for them. And I think Mads Pedersen. Um, is probably an underrated rider by many for those sprints. I wouldn't be surprised if he took one of them. Um, but yeah, that's it for me. What about you, Janae? Any, any? Give us, give us a wild prediction and a, um, and a, and a maybe more standard prediction other, <laughs> other than other than for Gacha winning. <laughs> I was actually hoping Biniam uh, Germain would be here and uh, we'd be able to root for him, but uh, unfortunately, of course, it's not the case. But yeah, I was really looking forward to seeing some of him. Um, but yeah, I was looking at the start list, really, there's there's nothing, no no one really shouting out like, you know, I've, I've got something to prove or I'm, you know, like quick step looks like a very bog standard team getting behind Jakobsen might pick up a stage win, but not looking likely. Uh, we haven't really talked about Bahrain Victoria, so I'm, I'm, I'm counting on Mohoric to surprise us in a, in a breakaway or two, you know? Um, yeah, yeah Mohoric for a stage or two. That's a good shout, I think, yeah. Yeah, um, just uh, the likes of uh, some old stars just uh, coming out and proving something. So, I don't know. Oh, I, have, yeah, go I think I have got another one, actually. Um, so, Bora Hansgrohe haven't brought their main sprinter, Sam Bennett. Yeah. But they brought his uh, lead-out man, Danny Van Poppel who, to be honest, has looked faster than Sam Bennett throughout this year and um, will, I think, for one of the first times this year, have a go at the sprints himself. So that's my real dark horse, is a man who's not even contested sprints so far this year, only been a lead-out rider, Danny Van Poppel, um, to potentially be up there on some of the sprint stages as well. Uh, He'll have a point to prove. Yeah, then there's, there's I, I'm really a fan of the old stars, you know, Warren Bargill, I'm, I'm hoping he does something, Peter Sagan, uh, yeah. Philippe Gilbert, perhaps his last tour de France, no, it is his last tour de France. Definitely, yeah, he's confirmed his retirement, I believe, so, so yeah, be a goodbye from him, yeah. but not expecting much, sadly. Yeah, I'm a bit, uh, how do you say, nostalgic with these guys, I guess. Um, <laughs> 
Yeah, it's weird to call Sagan nostalgic now, but uh, I think it probably is. I think a stage win is quite unlikely, and I'd, I'd say green jerseys, I'd go as far as very unlikely for him now. Um, but yeah, we'll see. Yeah, so uh, Rob, um, I'm probably most looking forward to all the new tech coming out. Um, don't think I can afford any of it uh, because it just, uh, it's just <laughs> nah, more and more extortionate. You know, <laughs> it's absolutely ridiculous. Uh, the new 105, 1,700 pound. Uh, Is it? Yes. 1,700? Yes. Mate, I, I am back in, I'm getting nostalgic now. Back in the day when I first started racing, you could pick up Dura Race for 1,000 pounds, but... Yeah, I saw. Oh. It. I remember seeing it on Wiggle for nine hundred quid at times. Uh, uh, Otegra full group set four fifty, one hundred five two fifty. You know, you could you could build up a world tour level bike at uh, for one and a half to two and a half thousand pound. Um, yeah, no. I, if if someone said to me uh, ten five five ten years ago, Rob, do you want a um, I want to spend £1,700 on a bike. It's got 105 on it. I'd be like, absolutely not, mate. No, no, um, that's just a group set. You know, the, the yeah, bikes no, with 105 want, are now three, three and a half thousand pounds, which is... I'd want, I'd want the carbon I'd want the carbon frame and uh, <laughs> I'd want the carbon frame and carbon wheels to go with I want made out of... I want mine made out of gold if it's 5,000, 6,000. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> if it's... I don't know. Oh, yeah, that's... The World Tour bikes are what, 12, 13, 14? You know, <laughs> yeah, the it's... new Demane... No, sorry, the new Madone SLR with the hole in it, you know, the the one that's yeah. literally just come out five thousand pounds for the frame set oh it's just crazy money man i don't know mate i need to need to find some banking internships <laughs> supply too if i ever want one of that i don't think i want it that much to be honest sadly though so that's no, yeah they probably won't see me in the shop anytime soon sadly but <laughs> I'll do this become a coach on one of those teams and uh get us a few bikes you know what i mean uh, i'll try and if it ever happens which i'm not sure it will i'll uh try and have a few for free mate we'll see we'll see <laughs> Rob on that bombshell. Let's end it there. All right. Cheers, Janine. Thanks Bye. for coming on.